In the holy name of Jesus, amen. Uh, Happy New Year, everyone. We are in a new season, in a whole new year of the church now. Uh, It is the season of Advent, of course. And Advent is a word that just means arrival. And someone's arrival means that you prepare. Now, um, I don't know how you feel about everything right now. and I've, uh, Anyways, I, I feel maybe a little bit off the hook this year around, around this time. Um, you know, my wife's family, we normally have these uh, gigantic um, uh, Thanksgiving and, and Christmas things. And uh, this year at Thanksgiving, there were, there were 10 of us there. Normally there's like 50 and and we go around the table and sing things we're thankful for and we're like yeah it's not it's not terrible just having a couple people here um it's wonderful to have the 50 people but but man i tell you it's not the worst thing in the world uh to not have to host a party for for 50 people and so you know from thanksgiving to christmas it's it's always this kind of it can be a very burdensome time with all sorts of things to plan for, um, whether you're actually going and, and having the party if, if you're hosting it or, or, or otherwise. But um, yeah, if you didn't like doing that stuff, though, like this is your year. Uh, rejoice. You don't, you don't have to have everyone over and you don't have to go to the office holiday party to celebrate Hanukkah and Kwanzaa and, and Christmas all together. Isn't that wonderful? Um, I kind of like it. But um, yeah, I mean, I, and I don't know, maybe your family is not coming from out of state. And, and while it's indeed kind of a sorrowful thing not to be together with family, um, at the same time, you don't have to get ready for their arrival. You don't have to get ready for the advent of the mother-in-law or whoever it is um, that normally comes. So yeah, it can be a pain getting ready for their arrival, but that all depends on on who you're preparing for. Are these in-laws that are coming in and who every time they come, they have to go around and inspect all the china and and make sure there's no dust on anything? Is, is, Is that who comes for Christmas? Is it the family that swoops in and they devour everything in the house like locusts and they drink everything that you have there, but they didn't even bring anything. And so you find yourself having to bend over backwards to serve them left and right and and they just expect to be waited on hand and foot. While preparing for that sort of thing, that's not fun. It's terrible. You dread it. No, on the other hand, some of you might actually be sad this year because the family that would have been coming isn't coming. That is, if you've decided to call off the family things. Um, I don't go to a whole lot of family things anymore. I don't, I don't go to family Christmas anymore for obvious reasons. But, um, but this year, they canceled them. And so I get kind of like a, a free pass this year. It's, it's wonderful. I like going to those things. So yeah, if, you, if your family is helpful, and if they are fun, and if they are loving, and if they are generous, then preparing for their arrival is enjoyable. 
Like every vacuum uh, is just like, oh, they'll be here so soon. I can't wait till they come and the kids are watching out the window and they say, oh, when are they gonna be here? What do you have to worry about? Because you know they're gonna show up on time and they might bring a couple extra bottles of wine and they'll bring some goodies for the children and when they are there, there will be nothing but joy and you will be sad to see them leave. And also when you have families like that too. So do I. So we find ourselves in Advent then, preparing for Jesus' arrival. Now, everyone else in the world thinks that this is just a countdown to Christmas time. We know that this is a time to think about his return in glory to raise the dead and to judge everyone, some to eternal life and some to eternal death. Now, how does that hit you? Does that excite you or does that frighten you? Do you dread it or can't you wait for it? It all depends on who Jesus is. Is Jesus your nagging father that you will never be able to please or make happy and you will never do enough? Or is he like your sister who you love and you cannot wait to spend more time with them? That will make all the difference in how you prepare for his arrival, for his advent. So this year, of course, can, this time of the year is always filled with so much anxiety. But again, as I've said, I think there's something of a gift in this pandemic. And that the normal expectations of the holiday things, they may simply not be there right now. And that's how it's been with this whole shutdown and everything. It's kind of a reset, a time to think about what's actually important. Every other year, I have all sorts of things to do. Every year, I sing the Messiah, and, uh, and I don't get to do that this year. We'd start rehearsals, I think last week probably, but we're not doing it this year, and so it's not going to happen. And, and it's actually kind of, kind of nice in a certain way. I don't have rehearsal. I don't have to think about where I'm supposed to be and where, who's going to take care of the kids. And then what's the wife's schedule like? Because she has all of these things too. And well, it's all canceled. Hmm. I don't even have to try and find my tie that I wore uh, only the last time that we had this thing. This, I dare say, may be the one advent where you can actually slow down and receive your king without a bunch of commercial distractions. So as the sun goes away more and more every day, you simply submit and resign yourself to the fact that you can't change any of that wonderful this time of the year just about now I finally learn to just sit in the darkness and wait for the light it won't be that long so Advent looks to the second coming of Christ who is the light of the world he is the king of glory 
The earth is his and everything in it. All of it and everyone. He is the king of glory. That's the question there in the, the psalm. Who is this king of glory? Well, he's riding in on a donkey. A borrowed donkey at that. He is the king of glory, Jesus Christ. And he's a good king. Now, there's a big difference between good kings and bad kings. And, I mean, honestly, if you're looking at it objectively, most kings and queens turn out to be bad. Uh, they don't actually do all that many wonderful things for the people. Um, but the bad kings, the bad kings, they do everything in their power to serve themselves. And it goes poorly for the rest of the kingdom. Everyone else suffers while they dine in luxury. And the world has seen so many of them. We used to have one, George III. He was so bad, we had to fight a war to get rid of him. He didn't listen to the people. He demanded more and more out of them. And more often than not, that's how it goes. The kings and the queens dwell in riches while the people on the outside suffer in poverty. But Christ the King, though, he is a good king. And he is the king of glory. Others have taken that title, by the way. And then they died. Not that glorious. This Jesus is the king of glory who serves his people and not the other way around. And this is, after all, why we call this time on Sunday morning the divine service. This is where God serves you. Not the other way around. And he serves you with word, with baptismal water, and with his very body and blood for the forgiveness of your sins, each and every single one of them. That is the Lord who is coming. Every word that he breathes out is spoken in love and it is meant for your forgiveness and your restoration. And all of this is meant to make sure that you are ready for his arrival, for his advent. And it's almost as if he has sent his messengers before him. He has sent someone before him to go and clean up your house for you so that you're ready when he gets here. And you don't have to wonder how things are going to be. You don't have to wonder how you are with him, with this king, because he has just told you. He's issued a proclamation that he forgives you everything for the sake of Jesus Christ. Even his rebukes are meant to bring about your repentance and forgiveness. I mean, if you don't desire any forgiveness, then you won't find it, of course. I mean, don't forget that he, he is a king. But he's a king for you. He needs nothing that you have. He is strong and mighty in battle and he fights. So do you fight with him or against him? He leads the charge against sin and against death and against the devil. And he rides into battle all the way to the cross. Enemies on his right and on his left. 
and he is abandoned by nearly everyone. But he has heard the cries of the people, save us, Hosanna. And for a time, it looked like he wasn't much of a king. Certainly not a glorious one. Because he rides that borrowed donkey and he wears a crown of thorns and he sheds his blood for you. And he dies for you. And he descends into hell for you. And he's raised from the dead for you. All of it, every single last bit of it is all for you. The glory, well, the glory is already his. And he does not seek to have more and more of it. That's what we do. How many billions will be enough for the richest men in the world? They seek more because they don't have it all. Jesus has it all and does not need to seek more, especially not from you. He turns around and serves you. It will serve you. His coming is your glory. What better guest and gift could we anticipate? Resurrection. Life everlasting. It is all yours, even today, and it always will be. For it is given by Jesus Christ, who is the King of glory. In the holy name of Jesus, amen.